With the major reveals that have been rolling out for the next generation of gaming consoles, it's becoming quickly apparent that the way we play, pay for, and consume video games is all but certainly about to change. And so Catalyst and I examine what this might mean for the fighting game community in general. Plus, we compare what we know about the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X thus far, talk about Bandai Namco's expert handling of one of Master Roshi's more sensitive personality points, and talk more Seth in Street Fighter V on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. What's going on? I, I just realized I, I took a sip of my coffee and I realized that I, I didn't time it right with it being hot at the beginning of the podcast, so I, it just sucks. It's just a little it's just a little failure, and I'm sad. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of an applicable hot coffee joke from uh, Grand Theft Auto just to get into it, but I, I didn't play that game enough. Like, uh, shocker of all things, Red Dead Redemption 2 was my first... Uh, Rockstar 3D game I ever played. Like the first one I ever played was um, the overhead Grand Theft Auto game. Like it was a 2D overhead game back in the day. <laughs> and that was like the only one I'd ever played. So I, I was trying to think, I, I, I know all of our listeners are going right now, dude, like you could have landed this amazing joke. They all knew it. I did not. They're know all it. going I'm, a 2D overhead Grand Theft Auto. Okay, grandpa, time for your nap. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> saying that, of course, yeah. because I'm your yeah. employee. And I, I, yeah. But I'm saying that's what they're thinking because there's that meme that's been going around, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to get into a new age here. We're trying to get into more progressive stuff. I, I'm getting there, right? I, I'm, I'm getting up to date on some new things. And speaking of getting up to date on new things here, uh, a major change is coming to video games. And, and we think it's going to have a, a good impact to the fighting game community, a fairly significant one. And that would be Game Pass. And that's basically going to become what a lot of people are calling the Netflix of gaming. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who do not think this approach is going to be a major shift in how things are done, I'll let you know that a bunch of Hollywood executives, movie and TV talent, all thought the same thing. They laughed at Netflix. Netflix, I should say, paying around, uh, paying anything, I should say, for the rights to stream stuff online. They were literally laughing at Netflix. Then, a handful of years later, NBC turns around and pays half a billion, that's billion with a B, for the rights to stream The Office, a show that they already own. (laughs) They had to pay half a billion dollars for that again. If you haven't tried Game Pass, which is, again, often labeled as the Netflix for video games, I'd highly encourage you to do so. Uh, I'm not trying to be biased here towards Microsoft either because uh, I think that it's only a matter of time before Sony offers something very, very similar. Uh, I get that PlayStation Now is already out there, but that streams games, uh, introducing input, you know, delay and all those other problems. Uh, We've already kind of spoken about Stadia here. Uh, Hardcore gamers are not keen on Stadia. That's why I'm not keen on PlayStation Now. If that works for you, great. But for a lot of people, that's just kind of like whatever. Uh, But with Game Pass, you download the games. And Microsoft is rightfully terrified of like Apple and Amazon figuring this stuff out and outbidding them for services kind of going forward. So the streaming wars have already hit with TV. Again, we, were, we just talked about The Office, you know, movies and other, other kind of stuff like the streaming wars have hit big time. Microsoft is betting on that being a huge thing for video games in the near future. And they want to get a head start on it right now. Dude, how can you not when you flashback to the last couple of new consoles and if this is your first one well welcome you have no frame of reference but for many of us we were around when 360 dropped and and ps was it three uh of course the previous generation with ps4 and such and i mean some of us go way back to uh to to much earlier console war days but you know when you do a lot of the time these things seem so similar right and the specs will be mm-hmm. it's like oh well, we upgraded our you know what it's same thing with the phones like oh we have a better camera like so does the competition and and a lot of these progress or, or these these forward movements are like i say very similar and it's almost like they're in cahoots with one another and they figure something out and they go okay you do it a little bit differently and i'll be a little different over here but it's a lot of the same sort of stuff um, obviously not the same because usually one console emerges as uh, dominant over the other one in some way or another, but a lot of similar stuff. And then you get the Netflix of gaming. And mm-hmm. <laughs> we were talking about it with Steven, uh, was it yesterday? And uh, he put it very well. He's like, you know, you, you get the Netflix of gaming and it's, 
it's fucking Netflix, man. And that's all he had to say. And we all, or both of us, just completely appreciated what that meant. It's just this absolute powerhouse of, of an entity. And we know that it works really well. We're seeing it evolve. Um, like you said, the streaming wars are going on right now. I just got... I just got HBO Max because that's where South Park is and <laughs> uh, the new season's coming out, right? And I, I see myself getting pulled around and having to dance this particular dance. Why the hell wouldn't gaming go in this direction? And so to go back to my uh, kind of where I started with this, I don't see how Sony doesn't have something like this. Like, I don't see how they were caught by surprise and had no idea that Microsoft was doing this and have no similar sort of plans of their own. I just don't yeah. see that scenario. This, and it's like, sometimes... I, I'll jump in and say that, you know, PlayStation Now is very similar, but again, it's streaming. There's there there's a big difference there. And I would actually maybe go back to, like, you know, the, the Xbox Live uh, versus PlayStation being free in terms of the difference. It's like, yeah, it's the same thing, but Xbox Live is way better to play play on because it's just less latency and less issues and that's kind of like I wonder if Sony is content with PlayStation now and they're like yeah that's good enough like this is our counter to Game Pass it's like don't give me that freaking like input delay I hate that like it ruins the game like I'm getting 60% of the game or something and I'm just not okay with it but I mean that's Google's entire business model right they're like we've got negative latency and the games are going to learn to play it for you and all this other <laughs> just I, I don't get that that's like too far afield for me but I'm, I'm sorry I jumped in well, no, and, and so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, they have to have some kind of an answer to it. And, well, based on what you just said, that they have something of an answer already. Well, that's been going on for a little while now. I remember I got my PS4, gosh, it would have been back in like 2015, I think it was. And I remember exploring that particular avenue um, and uh, playing one of the, uh, the God of War that came out after God of War 3. Maybe it was Chains of Ascension. I'm not sure. doesn't matter. The point was I played it for about an hour, and it was super choppy, super input laggy, and it was to a degree. And I, well, at least at the time, I know I, I, I'm traditionally not super picky about stuff like that. I've been hanging out with you and, and mm -hmm. listening to the way you break down <laughs> games and going, yeah, well, as, as, I'm not as picky as John is, but I'm definitely more picky than I used to be. It's like, oh, you can you can have higher standards and treat yourself better when it comes to games. And you know what? Damn it. Oh, I, I can. No, and it's not. A, it's I, not I, I ruined your life. Is that what you're no, saying? You, like you, you, were... <laughs> you gave me a, a, an appreciation for the finer things, something like that. Oh man, I, I ruined your life. You're, you're gonna get me like ten years later. You're like, you know, dude, I was happy before I met you. Do you know? Ignorance do you know what bliss. I'm going through now? <laughs> Can't even play God of War. No. Well, so here's the thing. Even before I had much of this, uh, uh, you know, where I am now, I was like, I'm not playing this, and I, I was like, this is so cool. The idea that I could get to play this game on their streaming service. I, I don't remember. It's like PS Now, PS Plus, PS Everything. I don't know. PS Now, yeah. Uh, and it was just like, oh, I'm not even going to deal with this. And I and I played it for 45 minutes, an hour, and that was it. And that was five years ago, so maybe things have gotten a little bit better since. But that is very much not an answer to the Netflix of gaming. If, if yeah. the Netflix of gaming means what it sounds like it means when I say it. Yeah. Again, not to me. But I mean, I will say again, this is Google's whole business model. They're doing it like PlayStation is and they're comfortable with it. Google is also notorious for starting a project. And like I, I remember the moment that Stadia was announced, people were in the comments and saying, man, I can't wait till they cancel this mm. because that's what Google does. They'll start something up. and They're like, ah, we're just not going to do that glasses. anymore. It's gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. I am so confident in this becoming a thing, like becoming a huge thing for gaming. Literally, if this does not take off, I'm going to print out my show, show notes here that I've got, film a video of myself eating them, literally eating my own words, John. That's how confident am I am in this stuff right now. And again, you don't have to take my word for this. Microsoft signed a deal with Electronic Arts to get um, all of their games onto Game Pass. And they just paid an insane amount of money for Bethesda for their lineup of killer games. They paid $7.5 There's that word again, billion, for this. And in their press release for that, they mentioned Game Pass five times. Uh, that Game Pass is a huge deal for Microsoft. They are banking so much on this. Yeah, and look at the way their, their financial model is. It's always been, again, those of us that have been through console generations before, there are those that have the money, even in you know 2020 with everything that's going on with COVID and, and finances and such, 
those that have the money to put pre-orders down and get these consoles on day one with whatever the whatever the game library is and such. But a lot of people have to wait, you know, a year or two and they get marked down or, or sometimes you just want to wait because you really want to see which console actually has better uh, performance through and through once it's in the public's hands, which has actual better games and, and such. So there are a couple of reasons why you, you hang out for a little bit. Um, and, and one of the big ones is because of the financial, um, um, what is it, the, you know, you're, you're investing like hundreds of dollars into to one of these plus whatever the games cost. With the way Games Pass is set up, you can get your Netflix for games and just pay monthly installments and break that, what is it, $400 or $600 depending on, or is it, is that the right, is that correct for, for Xbox? Four hundred and six hundred. Uh, you're talking about like renting the system or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They, that's a, one of their brand new business models. A lot of people are very excited about that. I'm, uh, I'm more of a traditionalist when it comes to gaming. It's like if you're going to give me new flavors, just add on to what I already know. You know, kind of thing. So that stuff like renting a console sounds weird to me, but yeah, they, that is an option. Well, you're renting to own though, right? I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it's that that stuff terrifies me. You know, kind of thing. I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I just you're messing with what I love. You know, kind of thing. So it's a little hard for me. Yes, to wrap my it's head like around. a like, yes. It's like a 24 month period where you're paying 25 dollars a month for the console, or 35 uh, if you get the uh, the fancier pants one, and uh, and then you're also getting the Game Pass with that, and like 10 dollars goes to the Game Pass, and the you know the the other chunk goes to uh, the the monthly fee on the console. But that opens this up for people to get it day one. And a lot of people that wouldn't yeah. have before um, and like this is again this is so significantly different in crucial ways that it does appear even at this early stage to be revolutionizing the the way that we uh, are going to be consuming new consoles and like gaming in general and if Sony actually is this far behind or this far removed from what I think is probably the most important part of these of these new console generation uh, it's like that, that just doesn't compute to me you know a name like mm -hmm. Sony Nintendo Microsoft they're always kind of neck and neck with each other uh, and never out of the picture but like man Sony's fallen behind with this and and Xbox and maybe it's just more that Microsoft is taking strides forward save for that they're not doing VR that's that maybe is the thing but maybe not yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of traditionalists like me in terms of when it comes to, you know, I mainly play on PC, but I, I like things in a traditional fashion, and that's what Sony is catering to. I mean, they won the, the past generation, like, hands down. It wasn't even close. Yeah. I think they're gonna there's going to be enough bleed over and other, other things where, where Sony continues a lot of great momentum. I can't see just Microsoft wiping the floor with them just because of this, but I think this is going to be a gigantic revenue maker for Microsoft. Uh, this is right now between 10 to uh, $15 a month to get get and they've got 15 million subscribers right now so that's let's just say everyone subscribed at 15 you know dollars a month just for the you know to make it easy math that's 150 million dollars microsoft is generating per month with this that kind of financial crazy impact is just i don't know long term if sony can keep up with that and that's one of the things that microsoft is banking on um, but in terms of like console sales i mean you know uh, sony they're having just trouble keeping pre-orders in the door and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think they're going to do really well, but like long term, I can see Microsoft being, you know, coming out on top with this until Sony is able to match them, you know, and then Sony might have a bunch of time to get their own, you know, you know, a Netflix of gaming service uh, up and perfectly running. Like sure. that's their history. Well, they, they do a pretty good job. You know, I mean, it's we've got our issues with them. But overall, I mean, you can't argue with the business prospects and like the exclusives and all the other kind of stuff. Sony does a brilliant job in a number of ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And again, they're going to have VR uh, as as far as like the specs between the two. To me, uh, there there are differences, but uh, as a, not a super kind of techy kind of person, I've listened or I've watched a few videos, I've seen a few side by sides and such. And to me, a lot of this stuff is like, yeah, it, it's stuff that's not probably going to resonate with me on an active basis while I'm playing for the most part. So it kind of goes in one ear out the other um, in terms of like, should I be focusing on the differences? It kind of is like more or less the same idea. Uh, is that how you're seeing it though? Or are the specs like something about Xbox or something about PlayStation puts it out ahead of the other one by a clear margin? Hmm. Uh, we're going to touch on this quite a bit later, I know. So uh, I'll give a little bit of a shorter answer and say the specs on Sony on paper really don't bother me at all. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really think that both consoles are very comparable, but... 
again, I, I looked at the PlayStation 4 and the, the PS4 Pro, and it's like, on paper, th this should not be having the issues with Street Fighter V that it does. So it wasn't until we got into practice in a very specific set of circumstances, like playing online, and then latency happening, where it became much more of an issue. And, and that's really inside baseball kind of stuff, where you're like, okay, this is only impacting, like, 20% of, like, 10% of players, you know, kind of thing. And it, it's like, so for most people, does that even matter? And, and I think that I, I don't think that the PlayStation 5 is going to have those kind of issues for the masses. And for a lot of people, it's like, dude, what are you guys even talking about? I've never noticed a difference for this. You've got to be pretty hardcore sometimes to pick up on this stuff. Mm, okay. Yeah, to me, it's it's just kind of like, man, I, I think that's not going to be the, the make or break for me when I look at those side-by-sides mm -hmm. and I hear people talk about it. Um, but then there are little things, like the PlayStation controller has haptic feedback. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and that's kind of cool, but that's an example of one of those, like, okay, so this is a difference, um, and it's not going to make or break, but it's something that this side has that this side doesn't. But that's not massive, right? It's just this right. little perk thing, so... Yeah, so we, we wanted to establish basically why the Netflix approach to gaming is a big deal and that it's coming. And now I actually want to transition here a little bit and talk about the potential impact for the fighting game community. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, this is, doesn't mean that the traditional ways of playing fighting games are going out the window. We have decades upon decades of saying that the traditional model works for us. And I think gaming companies would be foolish to ever take those options off the table, right? This is more of what it may mean for people who, you know, play on these new systems and like what opportunities could come up and what, you know, problems as well. One of those issues we could run into is with DLC. Once these games leave Game Pass, you don't have access to them anymore. Mm -hmm. They're there and they're gone. Uh, we know this well. If you've watched, you know, stuff on, you know, Netflix and you watch like half a movie or half a show and then it's gone, you're like, what? You know, kind of thing. Uh, I don't understand a scenario where the people will be like, oh yeah, I want to buy DLC for this. And, and DLC is a huge part of these games revenue streams right now. Like this is a huge thing. And I, I get that, that DLC is typically a hardcore thing, but if you're casually playing a game and you want to unlock a character, you want to have this, like, it's like, are you even ever going to do that? You're like, I'm only going to have this game for a month or two. So there's some new problems I think oh, yeah. that are coming up. And one of the ways you could offset that is potentially do like a bundle or like kind of a transition thing where if you're enjoying a game on Game Pass, like the, the gaming companies are getting money for that, right? Microsoft is paying them. They have some kind of rights deal worked out there, right? So Capcom or whoever can go like, hey, we see that you're enjoying Street Fighter Six on Game Pass. If you want to buy it at a reduced price or if you buy this DLC, we'll give you the game permanently as well. Some kind of like bundle option to like entice people into it. I could definitely see that being a thing because... It's basically, there's new opportunities, but there's also new problems. But again, if your game heavily re relies on DLC, like, would you ever want that on Game Pass? Like, would that be too much of an intimidating kind of, like, prospect to overcome? Uh, because it, I go back to the days of, like, renting games at video game stores. Like, you would rent a title, and if you would beat it, or you get through it, or, you know, really say it's not for me, it's like, well, guess what? Like, you're never going to buy that game, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and now, like, Game Pass is going to create, like, the, that kind of, like, new generation of problems I can see as well. Yeah, and so we're kind of at square zero, maybe negative one with that. But that is, a, like, there's, I don't see a scenario from where we're at where that doesn't basically nerf DLC, right? You got to make your DLC cheaper or you have to you have to bring more of an allure to it. Otherwise, people are just going to ignore it at this point or not ignore it, but, you know, not be interested in it, not want to invest in it. And so, yeah, I like that idea that maybe it's like it's way cheaper or it's if you get this DLC, you get the, the game permanently, something along those lines. But uh, or maybe it's like... See, it's not like there's a uniform DLC practice where every game yep. gets updated, you know, at the end of December, and then now you have this version of the game for a year, and that like that something like that would work for this model a lot more efficiently. Or, but yeah, that that's going to be very interesting to see how because uh, uh, we we just recently sort of started on this DLC path, right, where this became the new norm, and we're still sort of getting used to it. I'm expecting the next generation of Street Fighter and fighting games in general to have you know made one big step in this generation but like a whole other step towards what other games are, or other genres are yep. already doing next time and this might be a hard left or a hard right suddenly when we're still in somewhat of an infancy of this kind of new model and just hey the times they're changing and they're changing fast but that was that's something that i'm i think we're all going to definitely monitor but good foresight 
Yeah, I mean, I personally feel like like we're more in the the middle period of DLC with with the fighting game community because every game now is doing you know multiple seasons of DLC where that did not used to be the case. You might get a character or two, but now you know, I mean, we're we're hearing rumors of like the third season of Mortal Kombat 11, you know, DLC like Dragon Ball Fighters, like yeah, we're doing another one. Street Fighters, like yeah, we're doing another one. It's like uh, there's you know more rumors of another Tekken season, right? Uh, I mean, we're hearing like. It's just becoming like a staple now in the fighting game community. Uh, and, and like this could throw, I don't want to say a huge wrench in it, but definitely a medium sized wrench into DLC plans. And it's like, how do they account for it when they're even having trouble, as you just mentioned, like with the, the pinnacle of DLC, like with, you know, some of the mobile titles are like the free to play titles where they've basically got it mastered, you could say. Um, like, how do they handle that now? Mm, or does you know, this so. make it more competition between games, which would ultimately benefit the consumers, right? Where DLC is just free upgrades to your game, but hey, if you want people playing your game, which is out there in a pool with everybody else's game right now, then you need to put DLC. The other big thing about it is maybe brand new games aren't going to be as prevalent on the games pass how much do we know about what kinds of games are going to be here because you know if this was just a whole collection of older titles that we'd want to go back and run through nostalgically or we just didn't have time to uh, microsoft is um trying every single uh, microsoft studio game they're trying to get as a day one and with bethesda they said in there specifically their full intention is for every brand new release from bethesda to be a day one game pass game so it is a big deal for Microsoft realizes that having just a bunch of older games on there is not going to really move the needle. They want to have brand new AAA release releases, and that's their intention. Uh, I believe with even uh, Electronic Arts, uh, they have a Game Pass too. I don't think there's everything is is day one, but I know most of their stuff goes up relatively quickly. I'd have to double check on that one. Uh, but again, Microsoft and EA also signed a deal like. Microsoft again. They want stuff up there on Game Pass yeah. day one if they can get so, it. So, so this seems to be their new approach, and they're as far as I can tell, that's kind of an abandonment of the perks when you're a developer of DLC, except for that they make your game shinier and stand outier when you're when someone's perusing through titles to play. Um, maybe they're going to go back once the new DLC comes out, you know, and then there can be all these ad campaigns and marketing strategies to highlight, you know, oh, this game's, you know, better or more expanded now. But that means that the competition is simply on the the menu screen of the games pass or, you know, whatever ends up the answer from uh, from Sony ends up being too. Uh, and, and therefore, much more power in the consumer's hands. And now you're going to have to rock DLC simply to get people to continue to play. And that sounds scary, especially when you compare it to the old model. But also, you can make games... Well, hmm, uh, this is interesting because you got like Fortnite, right? Or you got these free-to-play games, but they all... Th- thrive on in-game purchases and are you going to invest in in-game purchases i i don't know this is sticky man this is interesting. yeah one of the things that i'm seeing is that if you play it on game pass you get some of the dlc or all the dlc for free while it's on there too you know kind of thing so it's it's an enticing way to get people on game pass it's as you say it's very interesting there there's so many it's very multifaceted in that there's about 50 different ways these these companies could approach this stuff and make it better or worse, unfortunately, right, uh, than what we have right now. And I, I think it's going to be a lot of trial and error with these, these groups to figure out what works and what doesn't. Like how much of how much of the um, uh, the pie are you going to get away, you know, for people versus like it's behind a paywall of some kind, you know. And I don't know what it is. I know that Street Fighter Five has definitely been doing, you know, um, uh, releases of here's season two for free, you know, kind of thing for a limited time, right? You get this for free, and that seems to be working for them because they keep going back to it. They they seem to find some success in like you know we're able to market a brand new thing ish, you know, it's season two characters for free for three weeks or two weeks or whatever. Um, and then we take them away, uh, there seems to be, at least for fighting games, some kind of method to that madness. I think it's going to come down to people's perception of permanence. Alliteration. Nice. Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty good. When when they are playing on the games pass. And by that I mean, 
if games cycle out like every two months or three months, which is I think about at least the sort of timelines that I've seen as examples, I don't know if that's what it's going to be like, then there's a little hesitation there when it comes to if they want to buy a premium costume that again, um, we've talked before about conspicuous consumption, being able to stand out while you play with uh, you know all these other people. And uh, I think if there, there's some kind of a magical amount of time where that's going to be, or people will perceive that games hang out long enough to invest that way. And then so still people are gonna be buying those things because that's that's super important. I've, I've underestimated how important it is for people to be able to stand out while they play, you know, and have whatever goofy, uh, uh, you know, accessory on their, on their character that's their own and no one else really does it that way. Uh, people will fork over a lot of money just as Fortnite. Now, again, not apples to apples because you're talking about the whole streaming service thing, but even then though, it's like DLC, people that are gonna buy stuff are only gonna buy it at the beginning of a game's lifespan on this thing. Ugh, ugh, I don't know, man. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know in period here. We'll, and we'll go ahead and put a bow on here. Uh, and this and just kind of wrap it up in saying that I, I do think that you're gonna want your titles to be as pick up and play as you get. Fighting games have a reputation for being super hardcore, but they're actually not too bad at introductory levels. It's bad if you have like a brand new player going and some of a lot of experience, like you're gonna get, you know, your butt kicked like that. Uh, but I will say that in the arcade era, I actually saw a ton of people come in and randomly try fighting games back in Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat time periods, right? It's not like people are completely opposed to trying these games, but I think there needs to be a new emphasis on making these games very approachable and that could be a very dirty word to the hardcore community. So yet another pitfall here, we're talking about all the you know potential like, oh, this could be awesome. Well, you know, our developers gonna scale back these games too much to just try to appeal to Game Pass people where it's like, you've got their attention for maybe an hour or two, can you get them hooked in there, mm -hmm. right? Um, so a lot of things coming down the pipe, man. It's, it's $70 games on the way. You know, how, how dominant is Game Pass going to be there? It's just so much happening. You, uh, you know, I, I recently watched The Social Dilemma, which I, I highly recommend to everyone. I actually deleted my Facebook app off of my phone after I watched it. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm not really one to, to make, you know, kind of big movements like that. Uh, especially after watching a show on Netflix. But um, anyways, they were really, f there's a lot of focus there on what these people in Silicon Valley have done to um, understand what people want as fast as possible and get it in front of them and have them basically dance to these to these dances that they have set up and uh, and pursue the the stuff that they want them to pursue, right? So like, you know, get these little dop dopamine drips and such. If you're approaching with this style, which is to throw, you know, potentially hundreds of titles in someone's face and say, have at it. What you really want is just people using your, your app, right? Like, I don't know that they are necessarily yeah. caring uh, if people are playing a single game or not. Uh, what I think they want people to feel and to do is to say, I have all these games and I want to play a lot of them. I want to hit yeah. a lot of them. So what I suspect might be is that they're going to want people to jump in and play games for a shorter amount of time. That seems to be the um, the scenario, the setting, the landscape that's being set up by this. Because if you have people jumping in and like, oh, I'll play this game for for a few days, and then I'll play this game for a few days, and I might come back, and, and but then I'm going to jump over to this one. And you have things like a, like you know gamer scores, like achievements and whatnot. That is going to be a massive pull for people, like the ones that want to keep that gamer score going up and get their dopamine hits that way. Mm, boy, so I think the the focus might be from this you know negative day negative one kind of perspective you just want people in there playing as many games as possible not playing single games for a long period of time because like we've kind of assessed here yeah. it doesn't seem to be uh facilitated by this model now that's what microsoft wants that ain't what capcom is going to want because all of a sudden you're playing the competitors games they're not playing yours you're not getting that revenue stream for it so getting people in and keeping them in is a huge part of fighting games i mean we play these games for years like it's not like you know most fighting games as we're seeing with dlc they have a very long lifespan you know and and these companies bank on that stuff so yeah, some new scary challenges coming down the pipe here. So it's like it's so much change, but that's why we're talking about this right now. We're not talking about this to, to you know be doom and gloom. It's like this is coming and we think it's gonna be a big deal. 
So how do we react to it? How do we keep people, you know, uh, interested and relevant, you know, with fighting games? We love fighting games. That that is our agenda, right? Mm -hmm. We we want people to to love and appreciate fighting games like we do. So how do we keep these topical? How do we keep them, you know, on, on people's radar? Uh, and so some challenges and stuff. It's not on us per se, but it's like we like to help that. Like we like to grease the wheels as much as we can for these companies ah. and start the discussion early and see what we can do to to kind of like keep people's you know heads involved in the FGC. I mean, dude, I think it it just it trickles down to the individual developers. They want to have as many of their titles available for people to play. It's like a smaller but similar kind of model where they want people to just jump from Capcom title to Capcom title and they want to have as many options and, and opportunities for that to have happen, which my 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 uh, my pessimistic mind is going, this is going to lead to quantity over quality and that yeah. might not be a good look. Don't get ahead of ourselves. I'm not sure, but that's my day negative one kind of take and fear. John. That's never happened in video games before. You're right. That's never going to happen. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, but moving on here, some rumors appeared on the internets, which said that Capcom is having trouble getting Resident Evil 8 to run on PlayStation 5 hardware at the same frame rates and effect levels as the Xbox Series X. Now, we just did a big segment here about Game Pass. I want to be careful with this one, and let me properly praise Sony. I really like Sony's approach with the discless version of the PlayStation 5 over what the Xbox Series S is what it, what they're doing where they remove the disk drive and they strip down some of the hardware. I'm not really keen on that and I'm kind of upset that Microsoft didn't give even just an option to just have a discless version for 100 bucks less where you get the same beefy hardware but Sony did that mm -hmm. and that's really great. Uh, Sony's business plan also for the PlayStation 4 was vastly vastly superior to what microsoft did with the xbox one where microsoft is like oh yeah we're gonna go ahead and make you pay for connect uh, a peripheral that you don't even want and or are not even gonna want it you know it's not gonna be relevant in a couple years plus we're gonna make our hardware even worse and you've got to pay a premium to get all this stuff you, you gotta pay more and it's like oh my gosh microsoft like are you literally just trying to piss off gamers across the globe here with your approach are you literally just trying to piss in everyone's cereal and it was wonderful to have sony there who honored and respected gamers and our, our past console you know cycle and just like here here's the cool new stuff that you guys want and then here's all the old stuff you appreciate and respect too like, and it was just like Sony won hands down. And I'm very happy that they won and that Microsoft's approach did not win in the prior generation because I don't want Kinect. I don't want to have to like do weird crap to share my games with people. I like so much of what Sony did in the past generation. And a few people have come up to me and be like, hey, you're like, you guys like hate Sony or do this. It's like, no, 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 no. What we love is video games. We don't care like who the hell, like where the hell you play video games at. We just want the best for video games, especially for fighting games. Like I just said, fighting games are our agenda. I mainly play on PC. I don't care who wins as long as gamers, fighting gamers win in the end. Mm -hmm. That's really what I care about. So, but now I'm gonna give Sony some crap here because they put us through a lot of pain with how crappy the PS4 version of Street Fighter V was. And now we're hearing reports that the PS5 is having trouble with the RE engine, specifically running Resident Evil 8, and I'm worried again. And this information comes from the Aesthetic Gamer, also known as Dust Golem, and uh, he, he's known to leak stuff on the regular from Capcom, and he's been pretty darn reliable. And what he said is that Resident Evil 8 Village uh, is running at a problematic frame rate on the PlayStation 5, and apparently it runs perfectly on the, the Xbox Series X. And, and this is a good caveat to include in here. I'd be careful with anyone who says something runs perfectly on anything because that never tends to be the case in my experience. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't think of a perfect running game that isn't running on just like super powered hardware, right? Um, but the, the important part here is I think the contrast is important. That, that the PlayStation 5 is having trouble according to Capcom and the Xbox Series X is not. And so where I go to is I immediately go back to Street Fighter V and I go, oh man, I really hate, uh, no, I do not like playing on the PlayStation 4. It's not a good experience. I much rather am going to play on my PC every single time. A lot of people agree with that. And so where I immediately go to is, is history repeating itself here? And that a bunch of the community gets PlayStation 5s and we find out a year or two later, oh, guess what? This can't run fighting games as well as the PC or another console can. And that's what I'm terrified of right now. Here we go again. 
there's your Grand Theft Auto tie-in. We got a theme going throughout the uh, podcast episode today. Yeah, the well, we're coming off the heels of uh, ripping Sony a new one for the whole PlayStation uh, Four not running Street Fighter Five very well, and us having emotional reactions to that because of, like yes. you said, how heavily tied we are. Uh, so <laughs> I can't I can't say that we're speaking. Uh, from a completely emotionless and, and, and biasless side, but I think you set it up pretty well in saying that, you know, at the end of the day, we're just looking for the best gaming experience that we can. And uh, I, I guess where that where that plays in is that we go, oh, I'm not super surprised to hear this. And while we have been uh, taking a step back and saying, we'll see what happens with the new generation, PlayStation 5 is not the PlayStation 4, and Sony has an opportunity to level up here, so let's see if they do. But the (laughs) the first bit of information that comes through in this avenue is uh, it's not looking like it's doing as well as the, uh, the Xbox is. And it's like, oh, well, starting to sound like same old song and dance, so uh, yeah. Yeah. Let me see that, John. Were if you were considering buying a, a PlayStation Five, and knowing what you know now, would this news make you hesitate? Oh, yeah. Would this potentially? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, so uh, here's where I'm at. I'm not even really considering a PlayStation Five right now, and that's without the whole Games Pass thing. Like, I'm still one that's probably going to hang out for a year or so and see what's up. That's that's definitely more my pace anyway. Uh, even with all of the new kind of bonuses and the the new approach that kind of opens things up for people, uh, I, I'm still probably going to hang out and wait and just you know bide my time and, and, and figure out what I really truly want. Uh, and but like I haven't even really been considering the PS5 unless something jumps out and wows me. Like if they were the ones that rolled out with Game Pass first, uh, that would definitely be uh, significant there. But I'm already like nah, probably not. And uh, and this is just. <laughs> This is just hurting him even further. I mean, and, and just to be clear with our, our listeners here, you and I both bought PlayStation 4s. Like, it wasn't like, you know, we were buying, you know, Xbox consoles and, and you know, playing on those and stuff like that. We saw Sony's plan overall and said, hey, that fits a lot better for us. Plus, it's the only place we can play Street Fighter Five. we thought, you know, kind of thing. And, and so that's what we went with. Mm-hmm. Like, we much preferred Sony's plan there. Um and just to back up a little here further, I, I'm not saying that Street Fighter Six or other games are going to have the same issues that Street Fighter Five did. We clearly do not know. But if this is already an issue with Resident Evil 8, it's like, we're going to say something about this. It's our jobs to educate people on what we're hearing. And that's why I come, you know, we're, we're you know, painting this with like, hey, this is what we're hearing, this is what we're seeing. I don't want people to go out and, you know, spend their hard-earned money on a PlayStation 5 and find out a year or two later that it's an inferior experience to what they could have potentially had elsewhere. That's what we're, we're worried about. That's We don't want the, the community to go through that. We, you and I just went through that. We don't want everyone else to suffer there. So I, and the reason I bring this up is there, man, the console wars are freaking like, you've got like Sony or Microsoft branded on your forehead with some people. And it's like, they just can't see the other side and of things. That's it's where almost I was like, gonna go next. Okay, so yeah. what, because PlayStation's still flying off of the, uh, the, the pre-order shelves right now. What kind of person right now or, or, or what kind of point of view would you have to have in order to be pre-ordering a playstation right now because we talked a lot of smack about it why would you get it because people are yeah i mean well the ssd in it is great uh, sony's exclusive uh, exclusives are great i know you and steven actually just talked about god of war i don't think that's ever coming to another console there are some games that are so good now what if my uh we know that capcom and sony are still cozy what happens if, if Street Fighter Six is another console exclusive? That is a legitimate possibility because we just saw it happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's a legitimate possibility. Now, we can always play on PC, but what if PC is now the worst experience and Sony nails it? Right there's there's a bunch of there's still a bunch of scenarios here where, where the PlayStation Five wins and gamers win too. It's not like you know there's only one route to success here. Microsoft they they just freaking took a dump in, on to, on top of the entire community not that long ago with the Xbox One. And I know Microsoft fans are going to be pissed off about that. Whatever, I don't care. That's how I feel, and that's how a lot of gamers felt, and it, they felt that Microsoft just completely took a dump on them. Mm. Um, yeah. Man, if I uh, just bought a new computer and, <laughs> and everything <laughs> uh, after having bought a PS4 back in the day, and then now the 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 winds change and I have to do the opposite for the new generation, and my and the PC is the <laughs> uh, then, that, then that I would feel happen, like a lot yeah. of dumps have been taken uh, in my cereal uh. or whatever whatever metaphor we're going with right now. <laughs> uh, I would not be a happy camper. 
Yeah. I, PC generally lives in its own kind of ecosystem, but it's its its, its own kind of, yeah. It's, uh, so I don't think that will happen, but that wasn't that long ago where the era of botched PC ports was the norm, you know, and that still is happening at some companies. It's like, and that's one of the big reasons I actually bought a PlayStation 4 is I'm like, well, they're never going to get the PC port down anyway. The crossplay is going to suck. It's going to be a really inferior thing. I was thinking of the Street Fighter 4 era very heavily there, so I got a PlayStation 4. And I, for a long time, I was very happy with it. It wasn't until I discovered a number of issues that, you know, that ruined it for me, right? Um, so there it is. Uh, I'll, I'll just kind of put a bow on this and just say that the, the leaker who gave out this information, he's reliable, but it's still a leaker posting these, in, this, these details. We don't know for sure that this is happening. It's just what we're hearing. And we feel very much like we have an obligation to talk about this to our listeners and say, hey, this might be a thing. Uh, if you're just, if you think this might be an issue for you, you might want to, you know, hold off like a little lo- while longer, you know, uh, and if it's not going to be an issue for you, freaking go buy it, dude. Like, it's not like you you lose whenever you buy a next generation console from Microsoft or Sony. There's plenty of people out there who are super happy with their PS4s and Xbox Ones, and they never look back. Mm-hmm. So if that's you, like more power to you. But for the people who are on the fence and are worried about this kind of stuff, we wanted to talk to them specifically about yes. it. Yes, and, and to be clear, if it's me... Um, I'm looking at this and going, okay, so so we have our history. I have my sort of expectations with a reasonably open mind, and we have this little leak information that says, eh, a little poo-poo against PlayStation. At the end of the day, though, if I'm really considering, uh, you know, which one I want to, you know, get this, this particular game on and which direction I want to go, what I'd probably do and would hold a lot more water than all of this and be a much more uh, significant deciding factor is just wait for the game to come out and see what actually happens when the final product yeah. reaches. So uh, you've, you've said it plenty, but just to be clear, this is not conclusive. We're not saying the right answer is this. We're just going, this is the setup so far. Take with it, you know, take it as you will. Yep, there it is. Cool. Did you want to talk about Master Roshi being pervy? <laughs> I mean, we definitely can. Uh, we got a really nice banner up there, uh, up on our website of Android 21 in a very suggestive pose. <laughs> and Master Roshi's nose bleeding all over the place, which was actually a mirror image of how I looked when I saw that image. As well. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, uh, okay. So for those that don't know, in Dragon Ball Z, Master Roshi has been around since close to the very beginning of the entire series. Um, and he is... Yes, the wise old turtle hermit that teaches the uh, main characters a lot of important things and has come back as a formidable fighter. And as we've seen him in Dragon Ball Fighters, a very interesting formidable fighter. Uh, he's also got this kind of comedic, kooky old man aspect to him. And he's also been very heavily a uh, perverted sort of side joke providing character um, where he kind of oogles the the ladies um, I remember when I was a kid watching Dragon Ball Z for the first time through in uh, Dragon Ball a little bit there is a scene where he ends up like dropping something where they're eating at, at a table he drops something so he goes under the table and he looks up one of the girls uh, dresses and he gets that nosebleed thing and you know this was an I was just I was just sort of coming online in, in adolescence at this period, so that was kind of weird and foreign to me. I was like, this is this is different. But that's actually something that anyone that's watched almost any amount of Dragon Ball uh, knows is part of this character. And Bandai Namco have been very, very good about retaining all of the persona of these characters, um, even though they're kind of funneling them only into this fighting game or this fighting aspect. And they have, you know, their, their interactions before and after matches with their opponents, with their teammates, their little uh, dramatic finishes and little animation sequences. Um, so they're really able to bring the characters' personas and, and like the specific things that make them unique out. Now it's 2020, and what do you do with something like this that is, it's not just one or two throwaway lines. It's a character that's definitely a dirty old man. Um, and it's like, how much of that do you bring to the table in a game in 2020 that's going out not only to the, the Japanese culture that this kind of all starts in, but also to the rest of the world? Um, and I gotta say that as, as sensitive and as much of a minefield as this has been, I think Bandai Namco did a pretty good job of reminding us that Roshi's an old pervert without going ham and without crossing yeah. any lines. 
and I gotta say, I, I, I tip the cap once again in, in such a, it's kind of a weird thing to be tipping the cap about, but that they were able to thread this particular needle in a way that I really don't think is offending anyone. I don't think many people are turning off Dragon Ball fighters, but it's also still acknowledging. Yeah, and, and that's what I actually liked about it as well. It's, um, I, I remember people talking about Armika and a number of people coming to her defense when she was first revealed, like, you know, oh, she's so sexist and other stuff. And, and people are like, well, that's who she is as a character. Like, it, it's, you know, you could have the same complaints about Bayonetta or whoever, um, but they're like, that's how the character was designed. And, and if you stop doing that, like, they're not even the character anymore. So with Master Roshi, I'm, I'm glad he's still a pervert, relatively speaking. Like, <laughs> man, that's going to be a horrible soundbite to see on Twitter and other places. Like, <laughs> owner of Event, says, Event Hub says, I'm glad this guy is a pervert. Like, that's great. Yeah, I'll make sure to goodness. clip it and then be the first to share <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but anyway, my point about that, and hopefully, oh man, I'm just ruining my career right now. So, um, but um, my point about that is, it's it's like if you're gonna have the character in there, you kind of want to make them true to themselves. Are you you know you could update them a bit for the times or dial certain things back, and that's what you're saying here with this. And I agree with you. It's it's very nice to see characters expressed in a, a nuanced way, even if they have very difficult to overcome you know, aspects that that's the way of doing it. Right. So. Yeah. And, and so those of you that haven't played, I'm sure you're wondering, well, what exactly did they put into Dragon Ball fighters, uh, that would, you know, reference him being a pervert. And it really only comes to a couple of his interactions with some of the female characters. Like I said, uh, before and after matches when they are on or against his, on his team or against him, uh, with Android 21, he says, I'm more than willing to wrestle a lady warrior. It could maybe be a sexual thing, maybe not, but uh, it's kind of, given that it's Roshi, you know. And the, the one that really solidifies it, though, is when you're on a team with Android 18, she says, I'm actually kind of impressed, old man. I just wish you weren't such a pervert. <laughs> so she's like, it's pretty unequivocal at that point. Yeah. It's definitely there. In it. But so, so just enough to, you know, remind but not go ham with it. And that's certainly something you don't want to go ham with, especially here in 2020. <laughs> yep, I agree. How good of a character do you think Seth is? Mm, well, I mean, I keep saying I think the character is overrated. Uh, and you, when you and I play, and I, I've told you this many times, I, I think Monat beats that character pretty well. And again, the Seth players I play online, I tend to beat them. It's one of my higher win rates for a character. Mm -hmm. So that might be skewing my perspective of them. But, I mean, we just saw CN win with Seth with the CPT event, too. That's so one of your go-to metrics when you're talking about how strong a character is. And it's like, well, what yeah. are their results? And now Seth doesn't have a yeah. ton of results, but we've had, what is it, seven, eight, nine months now. Well, actually, it came out in February, so seven, seven months now of people being able to figure out this relatively technical character. And it would be maybe about this time where you'd start to see them actually be good enough to win events, unless they were stupid broken, which they're not. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, but we're, we're seeing Seth, uh, at first it was like they're kind of climbing the tier lists and such, but they could be anywhere. And now we're seeing him almost always in the top 10, top 5, sometimes top 3. I've seen a handful of people put him at top 1, but I don't think that that's accurate at all. Yeah. So I would say that Seth is a uh, top 3 character at this point. Do you agree mm. with that? I have the only thing that I, I think that the, the pendulum has swung in the favor of Seth so hard that it's very rare in fighting game history for it to just stay there no matter what. Uh, and I, a good example for people to go back to would be season three Abigail, where, where the pendulum had sunk, swung so hard for him being just incredible and just so dominant and other things. And people are like just losing their minds as, you know, they, they drop matches to the character. But we also saw the character kind of like even in his raw, unbridled season three form, not have amazing results. Very, very good results, but not amazing. Was he even the number one character that season? A lot of people would say no, you know. Um, and and I think that there's going to be a little bit of a reckoning with Seth. But I also think I was very much, you know, I did not have a good read on the character initially. Very clearly, mm -hmm. uh, I would put them a little more around the top ten range. Okay, I am seeing so many people. Uh, pros and, and and I mean pros like top cream of the crop you know Evo finalist type of uh, players you know like Shen like Momochi um, like well 
like Dolgara, uh, but then plenty of others as well. Just across the board, everyone is at least sampling Seth. Now, there's mm-hmm. one. It's it's a difference between researching a character to know how to fight them and everyone kind of plays the new character if they're serious about trying to win so they're not uh, surprised by much and then investing further in the character and you can compare like Gil I saw a ton of Gil's sort of pop up right after he came out uh, as people were exploring him but I have seen Gil fall off a lot the opposite has been happening with Seth Uh, although like a lot of people first entertained playing Seth, uh, but like they've stuck with. And even though that they may not have jumped mains, you're seeing a ton of footage of players consistently practicing and using the character. Uh, you're ranging from people like Momochi and Punko and Dogara and Sako, but you also have like, you know, Smug, who's <laughs> he's on the up and up, man. He's getting up there into even those upper echelons. Um, and Brian F, and you got Shen just recently winning the CPT. So you've got, and then there's plenty more of people at least exploring the character and having <laughs> decently good results in the matches that I've yeah. been watching. Um, so I think the amount that you're seeing people go to Seth and explore Seth and stick around is indicating um, uh, or indicative. But I, I wanted to kind of get into a few particulars because I've been playing the character and now I have um, even one more avenue of appreciation for him. And, and I will say that I'm not convinced that Seth has a particularly hard time with zoners, uh, but I okay. will say that it might be that Minot is one of, if not Seth's hardest matchups because of the way she functions. And again, this is still an early understanding of the character, so I'm not willing to say that that's set in stone, but I can appreciate that of all the different types of characters, Minot's probably going to give Seth a relatively harder time than most others. Um, I have a couple of notes on why Seth is particularly good, and I think if you kind of go through them a little bit, we can sort of, uh, well, iron down why I have them in like the top three. Uh, and, and the main thing here is that Seth is shrouded in potential. And mm-hmm. by that I mean whether he's on the ground playing the horizontal uh, or whether he's jumping forward or, or neutral jumping and using that axe kick, He's always got so many tools and so many options the opponent has to naturally consider with his forward moving normals, with his um, with his like his spin kick, which ends up being minus eight, but distance at an appropriate uh, spacing. So that really, it's just safe against most characters, especially if they don't have any meter. Um, um, and also plus two if he does a heavy kick version, which has longer startup, which is right. plus two in someone's face. Oof, and so that's good. exactly what I'm getting into. So you have that, right? Something. This is a good example, and this kind, this this theme of shrouded in potential is what makes Seth particularly good throughout because he's got it in his offense and his defense and his in his general neutral and in his approach and stuff. Uh, but that's a great example. Okay, so Seth can do something like crouching medium kick into his spin kicks, right? And now he's negative eight if he does the light kick, but that's gonna be the fastest, not really leave a gap. So if you try to interrupt there, you're gonna get hit. If you go into the fierce or the heavy one, you have plenty of a gap in between, but if you block, then Seth is in your face and he's plus, right? And so the fact that you can go either route means that in order to stop this, you'd have to be able to identify what Seth is doing as he's doing it and decide whether or not to push a button and interrupt. And to do that consistently is extremely difficult. I've played both Kage and Nikali before this who both do similar things with going into Mm -hmm. axe kick or into uh, stomp. And you can mix those things up where you leave a space, but then he's got more, the, the character has more advantage if you block. And people just usually aren't ready for those kinds of things. And it allows you to explore options like just going to you know there's there's a lot of time between when he does the first move and when he does a heavy spin kick but you got people hesitating left and right because there's all these other options so there's so much potential so many different routes seth can go that you're not ready and he naturally plays that juggling game with you just by showing you his options and like Mm -hmm. i said that happens on the ground that happens when he jumps because he can go into the axe kick and the axe kick has various levels of strength which move him at different angles and and slightly different spacings and although you have a lot of time to see an axe kick and kind of generally know where he's going to be but because it can go so many different ways and you have to react on the fly 
it's very difficult and therefore it opens up all of these options that aren't necessarily safe, aren't necessarily amazing by themselves, but used in tandem, haha, with each other, they are amazing and it really opens up the character. He always has a tool to resort to because of this. And that hmm. is amazing for a character in this particular game, I would argue, probably across most fighting games. I, mean, I don't know what you're talking about. I play Monod with a character who has yeah. <laughs> every single tool in the game, pretty much, um, at least in, in mid range and, and you know neutral and stuff like that. Um, that's m what my character is notorious for having. I will say that, and I agree with uh, the fundamental part of what you're saying is very true, and I think that's the stage we're at right now. But I also look back to season one, Nash, and I remember a bunch of players who, who were using him back at that time saying we're getting away with a lot of stuff that people don't understand how to counter yet. And that is not like it, they, they felt that Nash would have been a much worse character if he got nothing, if nothing changed with him from season one to season two, just because people were really catching up on what he could do. Um, I feel like Seth is going to undergo a very similar thing where where there's a we we both know this very well. There's a whole different thing of labbing a matchup against say Nikali uh, versus labbing a matchup against Akuma. Most people have done their Akuma homework and have got a lot of you know experience and time with that, but Nikali not so much, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Seth is now becoming a character that's so under was you know fairly under the radar at first as you see a lot of people are picking them up i think that they're becoming a character you can't ignore anymore mm -hmm. you better know how to know that matchup and better do it well but i just think that's starting right now and that's like the pendulum might be swinging a bit more uh, away from them being so strong that's why i have them more in my top 10 uh i've been so classically wrong about this character maybe no one should listen to a single thing i say but this is still how i feel that the character is going to end up more top 10 than they are um, uh, top I have a note about that. Uh, I 100% yeah. agree with you that that is a significant point of discussion uh, here, and it might have the results that you're putting forward now, but I am hesitant to say that it will because I've also found, like when through playing Nikali and, and Kage uh, and, and using these sorts of, they have like a little more microcosm scenarios compared to what Seth is able to do because he's able to, to, to have this, uh, like what I was saying, shroud in potential um, uh, in a lot of different arenas of uh, parts of the match but even playing these characters like for Nikali I can go you know do a normal and go into stomp and I would so often and so consistently be able to go into the heavier stomp because people were afraid of the light one now that's not to say that it's going to work every time it's not to say that you're not going to get interrupted but to constantly have essentially what equates to a, about a rock paper scissors match is very strong. Now, you have someone like Daigo, who we've seen go through and just understand the interactions, the hitboxes, the hurt boxes. And if you have someone studying like that, take Seth and put him under a microscope. I, I do, I have to say, it, it nerfs the character because you're not getting away with a lot of those little freebies as much and that will be significant and yes there are instances even as i play the character myself where i go oh i got away with that one oh i got away with that one mm -hmm. um but there's a lot of i got away with it built into the way street fighter 5 works even at the top levels so to what degree this happens this would nerf seth i think a little bit uh, but I don't know how much, and I don't think it's going to be so much that it really shakes the character. Uh, a little bit, sure, but I, I don't think it's going to shake them and, and really nerf them down, um, especially when you consider all of the legitimate stuff that Seth has. And, and yep. I don't know how much we want to go through all of that, but there's just so many things. Like His V-Trigger hits so hard. Uh, I've... I've <laughs> I've gotten so many rounds where I'm losing pretty hard, but hey, get into a V-Trigger combo, and if you have critical art, that thing's, like, on a jump-in combo, that's 500 damage, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's, it's you're not using meter, except for that you're using all your meter for the critical art, but I mean, no special moves or anything. It's just move, move, move into critical art, 500 damage. It's ridiculous. Uh, and yeah. and his, his walk speed's pretty good, especially for the way his normals work. Um, he has answers to zoners in that if he just hangs out at about uh, just outside of sweep range, you can almost react uh, with crouching heavy punch to, to fireballs, which causes them to hesitate. Now, that doesn't really work with Minot, which is why I think Minot kind of stands out in the zoning department against Seth. Uh, but I really do think that all of this adds up to Seth just being one of the best characters in the game. I would say top three. Um, and 
to get at the examples that you gave, Nash in season one, Abigail in season three, those characters also were heavily nerfed. Yes, that's actually just what I was about to get mm-hmm. into uh, because December is coming soon. And I would put Seth as actually a very big candidate for nerfs. And I would hope that Capcom does not go too hard on them uh, because I think the character is going to get figured out a little bit and I don't want to see them nerfed into oblivion. Now, that's they've had enough time to be relevant where I don't think that's going to happen. But man, that December date is looming very hard right now. And Capcom does have a history of seeing characters explode like this and saying, nah, uh I'll be so pissed. I will be so pissed because I'm playing the character, and you know what? They didn't nerf Urien. They they gave a little bit of a tweak to Urien. They made Urien better. They They didn't nerf G. Uh, they did a little bit of a number on Akuma. They did a, what seems like a significant number on like Rashid. So hey, you know, but I think Capcom's kind of got what they want to do. They know what they want out of these characters, and at this point, Seth might get a little nerf here and there, but I don't think it's going to be significant. I'm thinking about it from the point of view of being a not Seth player and hoping for for nerfs to this character, and I'm going. No, with what I've seen so far, I don't see them nerfing this character. I think that I would be completely unsurprised to, as a non-Seth player to see the patch notes and go, oh yeah, they, they just gave Seth more health or something like that, you know, and like that's all they did. Uh, or they made V-Trigger 2 better so that more people would use them, which I'm pretty afraid of V-Trigger 2, but I haven't even begun to, to explore that. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of potential there. Um, and, and one other point I, on this. I will say based on, on history, I'm actually terrified that they're going to hit Seth pretty hard. And it's why I take such issue with Daigo and Tokido and other people going in so much on Seth when they leave characters like, you know, uh, Yuri and they, they buff him and they, they you know, leave Akuma alone and other stuff. And it's like Akuma's hands down the number one character in this game and he's still not talked about by a lot of people. And I think there's a little bit of a, a gentleman's agreement here to... Let's not talk about so much about our mains. Let's talk about other people's mains so they get nerfed. You know, kind of thing. And I mean, if you're Daigo or Tokido or whoever, that's what you're going to do. You're not going to talk about how great your character is. You want to see your character intact. And Seth is so hyped up right now. There's so much surrounding them that I would be a little surprised if that they, they don't end up on the, the shorter end of the stick this time in terms of, you know, the buff nerf, you know, equation. Again, there's Yuri and there's season four Yuri. And so you never know. Right. But man, I'm really terrified what they might well, do. Maybe. Um, and I, and as, as I say, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised to see them not nerfed at all. I also wouldn't be super surprised because there's definitely an argument to having Seth nerfed uh, because, you know, really powerful, right? I'm, I'm saying top three. Uh, but, like, the things that make Seth good, I don't think were very unintentional. It looks like mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that made him good was intentional. And if you go to, like, season one Nash, a lot of that was he was good because you couldn't see his forward dash in a game with a lot of input lag, right? Like, that was huge as part of his um, ability to, to have success. And with Abigail, this is a very different type of character that you're trying to mold and make work with a bunch of other characters where he's sort of an outlier with the way he functions and works. Seth is doing fairly routine uh basic uh, you know kind of across the board there are other characters with these sorts of abilities and these kind of abilities have really been examined um one of the the strongest things about seth is of course his um before we before we go off and i'll get back to it like nash got obliterated like his season two change list looks like a freaking like this is how you destroy a character 101. Like, I agree that the input delay was definitely a thing for him, but, like, I want to say this guy got, like, 15 nerfs, 20 of them? Like, just damage reduce, hitbox, re- you know, increase, uh, hitbox reduce, like, worse frame data. Like, it's insane, like, reading over Nash's, like, change Right, list. and the so same I, happened I just to, like, to throw that the same happened to Ryu, but that was in the very beginning of the game. Nash got... Nash got obliterated more than sure. He, he probably got uh, the most um, there, but yeah. that was also the very early chapters of Street Fighter Five. When I think you're going to see Fair much enough. more uh, egregious changes because they're still kind of finding their stride. Seth is the most recent character, and they had had four years of of specific Street Fighter Five research and being close to this particular material. So uh, and and you know no, that's that's very well right. said. I agree. So with Seth, okay. Uh, forward throw we've been examining throws for forever because first there was problem with throw loops and things like that and like you know there's a lot of street fighter 5's meta and the way people process this is is based in a significant part around how strong throws are well seth's forward throw he can 
throw, throw you and then dash forward and be negative one, which is pretty good, but hey, you know, that, that's your turn at this point. So that's just fine, right? Uh, it's pretty strong, but you pair that again, potential. You pair that with the fact that he could also just put a, a meaty normal on you after this, um, or, or set you up for something of like a half shimmy, and now you're not so ready for a negative one situation if he dashes forward. Maybe you can see it and react to it if you sit there and practice for forever and you're Daigo, but most of the time, you're not gonna, it's, it's kind of a guess. And when that's the case, like they know what they they knew what they were doing when they set that up, and they're like, we want Seth to be able to have this. And I think a lot of his powers, a lot of his his strong tools seem intentional. And when Capcom gives someone something they want, like G's V Trigger One, and that's what they've intended to have the character be, they have shown that's what the character is going to be. And so to to sort of like you say, hmm. put a bow on this. Um, as far as whether or not the character will get nerfed, the reason why I don't think so is because I think a lot of the changes that have happened in the past are because one, people get super vocal because it's especially frustrating and that usually results because Capcom knows what they're doing to an extent. They've been doing this for a while, right? Like this is what they do. Um, we give them a lot of hard time about balance and such because it's not perfect, but you know, like they, they're not they're not dumb. They're not far from this material. Mm -hmm they know what they want to give to certain characters and when stuff happens because you're finagling with a new game or a new type of character or whatever and people get super pissed off yeah major nerfs coming in how much do we talk about rashid right and and he's had laundry lists of changes multiple times i don't think seth is in that camp i think seth functions the way hmm. capcom wanted seth to function and uh save for a few little things here and there maybe i don't think it's going to get that we're going to see uh nerfs for him all right. Well, there it is. And uh, we're going to see here just a handful of months, yep. man. The, the game's going to be changing dramatically. We've got a, a Dan showcase here coming up this mm -hmm. weekend. If you wake up early, if not, we're going to have full coverage here on the website. Some very exciting times here in fighting games. Like, we're, we're seeing a lot of positive changes. The community's really growing uh, in terms of our perception and understanding of this stuff. It's it's pretty cool. And uh, and we're, we're going to see how this stuff pans out here in just December. Just, man, so close. I'm excited. Borat and still funny in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Borat. Well, we will see you again next week. And hopefully our listeners will see us again then. And we'll be back with you guys soon.